Today's AutoConverse podcast is brought to you by Autoburst Media. Automotive B2B companies are faced with a multitude of challenges right now when it comes to marketing and sales. The perpetual need to attract, connect, and support automotive retailers is growing increasingly more difficult with so much noise in the marketplace. How can your company's message cut through and reach your target audience? At Autoburst Media, we have a way. Through conversations and relationships, we help our clients form, package, and deliver their branded messages in unique ways that create awareness, spark interest, and drive demand. Find out how in our newly revised B2B Demand Generation Quick Start Guide, which you can download free today at autoburstmedia.com. That's www.autoburstmedia.com. Autoburst Media, turnkey content marketing and social media for automotive vendors and industry allies. Get the free guide today. That you now see the error of your ways and understand that the society cannot function where one's own belief in a concept of liberty permits you to flaunt your disdain for the rulings of duly elected officials. That you owe an apology to the elected officials whom you disrespect, disrespected by flagrantly ignoring and in one case defiling their orders, which you now know obviously apply to you. That you understand that the proper way in which an or, in an ordered society to engage concerns which you may have had is to hire a lawyer and advocate for change, an exception or an amendment to laws that you find offensive. That you publicly state that this is the way that citizens in the state should It's good that you got that scripted out. (laughs) That you represent to this court that you will today cease operation of your salon and not reopen until after further orders of this of the government permit you to do so. This court will consider the payment of a fine in lieu of the incarceration, which you've demonstrated that you have so clearly earned. Is there anything that you would like to say? I have to disagree with you, sir, when, I, when you say that I'm selfish, because feeding my kids is not selfish. I have here stylists that are going hungry because they'd rather feed their kids. So, sir, if you think the law is more important than kids getting fed, then please go ahead with your decision, but I'm not going to shut the salon. So while I do agree with the fact that uh, the punishment didn't fit the crime, let it be known it was a crime. <laughs> I mean, listen, yes, Dallas was jailed. Good. You broke the law. I don't care if you think that your team or your customers need their hair did and Annie Mae wants to rock an updo and, you know, and, and, uh, and sh- Sally J needs her eyebrows waxed. Stay home, calm down. You, there's still stimulus money coming in. You know, you don't need to break the law. If you break the law, there will be consequences. If you see the movie The Purge, you aren't allowed killing people till midnight. Guess what? You kill somebody at 11, you're still going to jail because it's a crime. So if the rule of thumb was, hey, listen, we're not opening. You're not allowed to be open. This is the law. This is the rule. You can't be like, I still think I will because that's rule breaking and there needs to be a punishment for the crime. Seven grand, sure. Little jail time, no, not seven days. Do overnight. I've spent a night in jail for a lot less than that. Okay, so let's go ahead and just agree. (laughs) Let's just go ahead and agree that just because you personally disagree with what the law is doesn't mean it is your decision to go and break it. That was Joe Webb from Dealer Knows Consulting in response to Dallas, Texas salon owner Shelly Luther being jailed and fined for reopening her salon against local ordinances due to COVID-19. But that doesn't mean his sentiment was shared. Here is the flip side to that argument. Um, I respect her. I mean, at the end of the day, right, you know, she was looking out for her people first. 
and I understand that she's putting other people at risk. So I go back to what I said about Elon Musk, like everyone has a choice. And at the end of the day, it's about making the choice that's right for your business, for yourself, for your, you know, for your family. And, you know, what happened to her, um, I think that was a little extreme, the fact that she was sent to jail and fine. They're trying to make an example of her. But at the end of the day, she's going to win, right? She's going to She's going to come out winning. I've heard about people driving from California to go visit her, you know, her salon to show their support. She's going to be on the circuit. She's going to make a ton of money as a result of this. I don't think that was her intent, but I think it's going to work out just fine for her. That was Stephanie Robbins from CallSource, who actually was responding to the situation just prior to Joe. The conversation took place the other day on a new segment of the Mobility Tech and Connectivity Show, which is held via live stream on YouTube every Wednesday. The new segment is called The Two-Minute Drill Down, and it was introduced just this week to help jazz things up a bit and keep conversations on the show from dragging on or keep people from dragging on. Each participant, Joe and Stephanie in this case, including myself and co-host Jay, were limited to two minutes when we responded. During the show this week, we debated about the insurrections occurring across the U.S., beginning with Elon Musk, defying local authorities and reopening his Tesla plant in Fremont, California, stating via Twitter, quote-unquote, Tesla is restarting production today against Alameda County rules. I will be on the line with everyone else. If anyone is arrested, I ask that it only be me. This led us to talk about the situation in Dallas with salon owner Shelley Luther. Now, this is one of several debates on the show this week, some of which we will play for you later in this episode, along with highlights from two other recent episodes of the show as well. One from late April with my friend Tiffany, where we debated for nearly two hours as to whether or not we should be required to wear face masks in public. And the other highlights you'll hear are from the week prior to that, when we had Mike Phillips and Bill Satry on the show. During that show, we talked about states reopening, uh, historically low oil prices, and the role that mainstream media is playing in the novel coronavirus pandemic crisis. From Autoverse Media, this is Autoconverse. Hey, we got a good show lined up for you today. Oh, well, I'm a Game of Thrones nut, so that's that's, that's my jam. The robots are listening. The robots are listening. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Autoconverse Mobility Tech and Connectivity Podcast, where we explore people, ideas, and technologies that influence how we are connected and the way we get around. I'm Ryan Girardi. Really glad to be here with you. Folks, before we get started on today's program, I'd like to take a brief moment of silence for my good friend Bill and his family, who you heard me mention just a moment ago in the opener. Bill informed me earlier this week that his son, of only 39 years of age and father of two children, passed away in his sleep. I don't know his son, but Bill and I have been working together for a couple of years now. He's a friend and a business partner who has appeared on this podcast more than once. And as a father myself, I can only imagine the heartache and difficulty of losing one of your own children. So on behalf of everyone who listens to this podcast, Bill I want to express my condolences to you and your family, and we'll have a few seconds of silence. Thank you. Let's continue on with today's program. To kick things off, I'm going to play you a portion of our conversation from the live show from April 22nd, which included the aforementioned Bill Satry along with Mike Phillips, who is also on this podcast from time to time. Mike is general sales manager for an independent dealership in Colorado Springs, and here he is giving us an update to kick things off on the hurdles that he was facing at the time as a dealer in Colorado. Well, I think I think when I was on, we were on this roller coaster ride of our governor, hey, you can be open, you can't be open, you can be open, you can't be open, you can go by appointment, you can do internet. So that that kind of leveled off shortly after, I think maybe the day after I was on your show, um, they came out and said, look, you can do, you know, basically touchless delivery, do as much as you can online, do social distancing, all that. He came out two or three days after that, our governor Polis did and said, Colorado is essentially going to be a stay at home order until April 26th. And he confirmed that yesterday. He said, yep, April 26th, that's the day. So through Sunday, 
Um, so like our dealership, we've been working on a very skeleton crew, you know, basically one manager, one salesperson at each store. I'm fielding all of our inbound calls, inbound leads and so forth. I have one gal that's helping me with that too, as of yesterday, um, because it's, it's become overwhelming. You were asking the question, are people ready to buy? Uh, I'm tracking, tracking for, uh, and we don't even have all of our advertising sources turned on. We're going to hit probably over 600 unique leads this month. Mm-hmm. Um, and normally we do about 11, 1200. So it's okay. about half of what our normal volume is, but we turned our advertising back on, like, you know, turned on most of our advertising streams starting a week ago. Um, so there, the, ultimately had we stayed open the whole time, theoretically, we would be tracking for the same number of, of contacts and leads and so forth. But 600 people, like I was saying to you yesterday, that that's overwhelming for any one individual. And so there are people that are ready to buy. The unique thing that we're seeing is like the stimulus check stuff uh, has come true. True, You know, people are getting their stimulus checks. So when they're wanting to contact us to buy, most of them have money down. Um, and and the, the one thing that I've seen is there's two pretty, pretty big segments of the, the economy. You know, you have people that are uh, certainly involved in the stock market, uh, 640 or better credit score, higher, higher end credit for lack of a, a better term versus people that are 640 or less. Consistently for us, and we do a lot of subprime, we did buy here, pay here back in the early 2000s, quit doing that. But uh, definitely the subprime industry, um, that segment of the population they don't care what's going on with the stock market, man. If they need a car, they need a car, right? They don't have so, any stocks. Yeah. Right. So, so, so then you have the higher end uh, credit, credit demographic. And it's like some of those people are seem to be pulling back a little bit so that, you know, and, and certainly depending on who you talk to, they may have differences of opinion on, on credit and so forth. But that's one of the things we're seeing is we've definitely seen more of an influx of that more subprime near prime credit. And uh, that 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 demographic of people has money down. They they want to buy cars or they need to buy cars. Their cars are broken down. So I mean, I think there's definitely, uh, you know, when you watch some of these national media sources, they're like, oh, it's such it's going to affect the used car market and it's going to affect the new car market. And it's like, yeah, maybe it will temporarily. And I'm not, you know, an economist by any means, but I do think there's also a lot of pent up demand because. Being that we're willing to call people back, they're they're wanting to to move. Uh, so here's what I want to on the other end of that. How's what's going on with inventory? Uh, for for us, I'm probably a little bit of a unique situation. I mean, we're we're still buying inventory. We have some ends okay. with uh, you know we have some some pretty good sized new car dealers locally that we're connected with that we've always had a, a good wholesale relationship as an independent. You know, our our bread and butters it's, it's all used cars, 10 to 20 grand and new car dealers are trading for those all day and they want to offload them right now. So, yeah. so for us, okay. that's been well, as far as, as far as transport and auctions, Jay, uh, that's one of those things it's we're down. doing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Very, yeah. very little, uh, very little auction buying and virtually for, for us. And again, I, I am, we're a bit of a, a unique demographic here where we don't do a lot of shipping anyway, um, but we're doing literally none right now. Right. Well, and and overall, um, in inventory with dealerships, I would mm-hmm. think that I mean, there's just there's a there's a stoppage. The, yeah. the drain is clogged. Right, and lots are full. Well, so yeah. How much could you need? That that's the thing. Everybody's like like Ryan said in the restaurant business. You know, everybody's gearing up. Like spring is a good selling season for us, right? Yeah, People are is, ready. It's to April. Get out there. Yeah, Load they board buy. rates are supposed to be going up right now. Right. Yeah. And so we had done, just like many, we'd done some some buying in February and March, and then this hits. And so same deal. We're still buying uh, some used cars when we have the opportunity, and they're good buys. But it's a, exact, It's a good deal, mm-hmm. and you're never afraid of a good deal. No, ever. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, I guess, I guess over the next few years, consumers will probably benefit from low car prices. That'll probably be a good positive I, come I down. I think they will. Yeah, um, exactly. That is that is a positive. Well, let's switch over to oil prices, guys. So obviously, gas consumption's down, right? Oil consumption's down, and now we've got 
basically stockpiles, stockyards of oil not going anywhere, um, causing real issues. And this, I mean, this just became news the other day. Jay, have you had any conversations on your shows about oil prices dropping? I haven't noticed any in the past few days. No, I try to draw some lines of division. I mean, diesel prices is always, you know, a topic for somebody. And, um, you know, yeah, it's great that they're low, but with all the other problems, what are you going to do with all that cheap gas? Well, People are still driving, right? I mean, it isn't like we've all oh, stopped driving. I don't, I'm, well, it's a lot less. Well, it is, I mean, and I, I've barely driven lately. I mean, yeah, I'm getting three weeks to a gallon. Yeah, that's the same. <laughs> right, right. I right. literally think I've filled that's up my why, twice in the and, past two months. And that's why the prices are so low. Nobody's using it. So, um, I mean, it's it's a topic. I think it's more of a topic if you have. You, you were talking about subprime lenders in the stock market. Listen, if you're if you're a billionaire, yeah, this is a really big deal. But if you're not a billionaire like the rest of us, I don't know. Yeah, cheap gas can't go anywhere. Next. <laughs> yeah. Well, you take oil stocks, for example. I had a bunch. I sold them because I, I was watching the pain, what was going on yesterday. I bought them back because at $2.50 a share, I'm going to think, there We're all going to be driving a little bit more, and it's going to be coming back. When did you sell them? When did you sell them? Yesterday morning. And you bought them back already? Yes, sir. Huh. Um, yesterday, I'm not telling you I didn't lose them, but at 250 it's uh, right now 226 Uh I made money uh, today on it. I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's not Oil's at two twenty. We're all driving. Oil's at 226 a barrel, you said? Uh, this is the stock OIL, right? Pretty easy to follow. Um, Wasn't it like it 17 at one point? I pass series uh, BS&P, some kind of crude oil. I just looked at it. It looked kind of stable, so I bought it and sold it. I, who knows? If but, I was a billionaire, I'd rent the whole hotel, fill it with Wall Street guys, order a ton of pizza and beer, and all we would do is figure out what to buy. <laughs> right now, Richard Branson's like, that's not a bad idea. 13th yeah, of April, it was I'm a expecting to chime in on YouTube. Well, <laughs> guys, I, I, these stock tips are on TikTok. You got propeller head kids sitting in the basement. And I'm oh, not yeah. saying take tips from them, but they're figuring out, here's 10 stocks that I would buy. And they're putting their minds to it. And it's pretty interesting to watch and follow, but we're laughing. Delta's like 20 bucks and Ford's at like four bucks. Are you kidding yeah. me? But you got Tesla at 700. I don't, it, it, yeah. in my mind. Tesla is the roach. You can't what? kill it. Yeah, Tesla, it's man. Nuts. Wow. Wow. But it's, I've got the vaccines on here. It's fun. It's a gamble. Like there is a Las Vegas. It's right here. I just want to say this about <laughs> Tesla. Tesla is so unkillable that they damaged their own windows of their new truck. Oh, that truck, was awesome. And it didn't cause any problems. <laughs> but, wow. Was that a, but was that a setup? That I mean, was, really. See, I think it Absolutely was, Absolutely it was. I think it was, Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, it's it's fun. Delta's at 22 bucks. I, I spent my life on a Delta plane. That's got to come back. Royal Cruise Lines, uh, I don't know, right? It's, it's going to be a little longer. But it this, is. Is a, this is kind of a fun time. If you can switch it around and you can play with this a little bit, it's interesting. The anomalies of, of not being able to pass doesn't equal the future anymore. Uh, there's no algorithms. What the heck is an algorithm anymore? Because if you had an algorithm, it doesn't mean it's going to be the same in the future. It just gives you a report of the past. So yeah. it's They're all over the board. just kind of interesting. But my daughter, who works for Lexus, delivers cars. It's it's kind of business from usual, but it's a different How's she business. doing? Okay. She she works for Lexus delivering cars. How's her how's work going well, she, for her right now? She sells. She's top three out of twenty-four salespeople. Uh she followed me when I had the Lexus. I used to train Lexus salesman, grand sales master. So when she was a teenager, she'd go on tours with me. She knows the cars. She knows what a JVIN is. She knows 
a lot about the product, so she does very well. But what she finds really unusual, she's got a good month going. She's probably got 10 out uh, for a month like this, 10, 10 or 12. They're out of state callers. She's got this deal in Vegas where she had to deliver a car as the guy's eighth or ninth Lexus and lives in Vegas, could walk to the next dealer, but he comes to Salt Lake to buy his cars. Figure that out. I think they get them bought. Yeah, right? why is that? Get them bought. They get they make the, the frictionless frictionless transaction. These people at Lexus, the Larry Miller Group, very good at financing. They own their own finance company. They make a decision. Um, she's now delivering a car to Idaho, and she's got one into Wyoming, which is crazy. Who wants to go to Wyoming? Unless it's Jackson Hole. <laughs> uh, it's you know, as beautiful else. as Wyoming is, you got to drive 100 miles to do anything. It's windy. It's always it windy. It is windy. Wow. I was surprised, too. They should anyway. be having, they should have sail, sail cars, you know, like with sails on them out there. But I mean, it is, other than a few spots, there is nothing going on. <laughs> they are not negotiating with her. Whatever. I mean, I don't want to say I it wonder that why. Way. It's the amount of money that they ask for, they usually get. But if it's a local deal, they got to give it up. And the locals are giving them the pressure to make a deal. But if you're living in Montana or Wyoming, or Las Vegas, you got nothing better to do. It looks like you're buying cars or you're leasing cars. So it's just interesting to watch how we're set up with new rules. The chessboard's changed, and we're now learning to play checker, chess a different way, or we're failing. It's either one or the other. Well, I'll tell you what, it's actually probably good news. I, I was talking about the negative side of the conditioning, but it probably is good news to see the nation adapt quickly you know, to what, what, and whatever way we're talking about. I mean, and then, you know, and I want to say this. Oh yeah. I want to say this. Okay. We talk about blaming the media, blaming the media, 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 media. Dude, without the media, we wouldn't all know all this stuff right now. It's something to think about. And, and I, I just, I think we've gone a little bit far on blaming the media you can blame your neighbor. You can blame all kinds of people. Blame, blame, investigations, committees, etc. But I want to say this about the media. Without it, we wouldn't know Jack. I would love to see the media quarantine for 40 days, too. <laughs> all right, let's move on to the week after that, April 29th. In this segment, you're going to hear highlights from my debate with Tiffany Simonson and Jay about whether or not face masks should be worn in public. Tiffany is a good friend and a fan of the show. She lives in the Seattle area. We were talking about the subject a few days prior to the show, and so we decided to take the debate online. Here we go. I want to go through some of the data. Let me share my screen, and I'm going to, I'm going to stage the debate here around is all of this necessary? And I'm going to tell you right now, it's not, and I'm going to explain why. The mainstream media has you convinced, not me, but has the masses, enough people convinced, that, that getting COVID ID is bad for everybody, and it's not. There are people that, should not, that, that it will be bad for. There are people that this disease, this virus, will kill you, and we know who they are. There are people who have weakened immune systems. They, and people who have weakened immune systems either have a disease of some sort already and they're on medication. So when you look at the, when you look at the graphs that say right here, those that are 60 and plus are at most risk, that's actually misleading. It's not your age that puts you at risk. It's, it's the fact that you might be on medication that's weakening your immune system. That's what's putting you at risk. I was just talking to a colleague today. Actually, it was my stepdad. And I didn't catch what prison he was referring to. Uh, but in the prison, there's like 6,000, is it 6,000 inmates or 3,000 inmates? Okay. 300 of them have were, showed symptoms and tested positive for COVID. So then they decided to start testing everybody. It turned out everyone in the prison, like 90% of the people in the prison had COVID-19. They just didn't have any symptoms. Only 300 of them had symptoms. Now, I don't know how many of those are at risk of dying. Okay. So the point is this, getting, 
coronavirus, let's start here, is coronavirus itself is a common cold virus. Look at the age bracket of children. Only 17 children under the age of, I think, 18 have died from COVID-19. And the reason why is because <laughs> children already have high levels of coronavirus antibodies. So their body's already resisting it. So here's why I think, here's why I think we're duped, okay? The world, we're being told that, corona, that COVID-19 is bad and we need to destroy the global economy because of this. And meanwhile, 95% or more of people that may have coronavirus or not are now experiencing economic uh, health issues, mental health issues. So it's having the adverse effect. In, in the process of trying to convince the world that, that getting coronavirus is bad, that getting COVID is bad, we're actually creating a lot more bigger issues, starting with the economy. So I lay out my premise that getting coronavirus is not the end of the world. It just could be for a, for a percentage of people. But if you know you fit that, if you're on medications, you're probably at risk. And if you, have, if, if you have children at home, then I think you need to look out for yourself and have measures that keep you protected. But if, if, you're, if you're in a household and no one's at, at that high risk, getting coronavirus is not the end of the world. Tiffany. Okay. You're on. All right. So you make a lot of really, really valid points here. You know, if you're coming at it from a pure numbers perspective, the, the percentage of fatalities versus like infected, it's, it looks good on paper, right? But I think that what you're really kind of missing here in your argument is that you're failing to, to realize or to pay acknowledgement to the tax of medical resources that this type of virus will put into the existing hospital system. You will have like a, and you also, in addition to that, you have the people who work as essential workers. You have doctors, nurses. I'm also gonna put uh, grocery store clerks, you name it. They are, you know, challenged on a couple of different um, levels. But when you start to increase their exposure to that, they're just trying to do their job. So this whole like question of, do I wear a mask in public? I say, yeah, why not? Like if you're in the park and you're away from everybody, a mask is totally, you know, it's like, what's the point? That's stupid. Everybody's choosing to be at the park. But if I go to a grocery store, I chose to go to the grocery store, but that employee did not make that choice of to be working in the middle of a global pandemic. They have no choice. They have to support their family. They have to go home to their families at night and they might have somebody in their family who might be at a high risk. So let me give a solution. Okay. Instead of printing a trillion dollars worth of money and destroying the economy. Okay. Mm -hmm. Why don't we just set it up? Why don't we simplify it? If you work in a place like a grocery store and you are personally at a high risk of, of, of dying from COVID because you have a medical condition or because you're on medication, or let's say you have grandparents or someone in your household. Okay. Yeah. You could define it by saying if you or someone in your household is a high risk and you need to avoid getting COVID, then we will then pay you to not go to work. We will continue to pay you. That would do two things. It would solve that person's problem because now mm -hmm. they're getting, now they have an income and they're protected. They're protected because they need to be protected. And, it, and at the same time, would, would not destroy the economy and wouldn't require that, <laughs> that the economy shut down and it wouldn't require all these loans and money printing that's going on. That, that would be a way to solve that. Because that is the, what, the scenario you're describing is the exception to the norm. Just, you know, I have a friend who has diabetes and uh, she's had it since like she was in her 20s. Okay, it's like genetically had it. And she's in the healthcare business. Uh, and she, so she works, you know, uh, in the healthcare business. So she knows, she knows a lot about this, this type of subject matter. So she's high risk, 
She's got diabetes. She's on medication. She is high risk. I said, you don't want to get COVID, do you? And she says, as long as there's an ICU bed for me, I don't mind getting it. That was her response. Her biggest concern was whether or not there would be an ICU bed, which was the underlying premise for why we needed to quarantine and why we needed to flatten the curve and stop the spread was so that there would be enough ICU beds. And to that extent, I think we've won. I think that's been a success. I think we could say that the self-isolation, the stay-at-home quarantine helped flatten the curve to make sure that we could contain this. Here's what's going to happen. As states open back up and, and we start interacting more, whether we're wearing face masks or not, the virus is going to spread. And w- what's going to happen is you're going to start getting pushback from whatever camps are pushing now. And they're going to be like, oh, the spread's coming back. We got to hold tight again. And I'm going to put out the argument that no, I think we just need to let ourselves build our own immunity, um, p- push for a vaccine. Um, and make sure that we have enough ICU beds for the people that need it. Good news for Washingtonians, um, because I live in Washington State, is that they finally agreed to open the golf courses. So it's that's a step in the right direction. Um, and why and- they were ever closed in the first place is insane. Well, like, it well, is they were absolutely insane, yeah, they were, golf courses. They were, they were closed anyways because of the winter season. Yeah. So they were getting ready to open regardless. Um, but they generally, they're generally open like a week or two ago um, is kind of like the norm. But so to us to get golf courses back in, in construction services, yeah, yeah, like those, that's a no-brainer. Um, of course, there's no clubhouse, two to a cart. There's going to be rules, and I'm glad to play by those rules. So it's, it's a, it's like a social contract argument, right? Like the, the government question for you, do you believe in telling on other people that aren't following the rules? (laughs) No, and I, (laughs) yeah. yeah, Do you, what do you think on that? Cause I, I mean like, wow. Um, it depends. Like if, if my neighbor was throwing like a keg party and there was like 50 people in, in her backyard, um, and they were, you know, just being really super reckless and they were all on top of each other. And they're, you know, like I would, I would probably say something. <laughs> a backyard I would say orgy? Something. <laughs> I was going to say, um, what kind of party is this, man? Yeah. Hold on. No, Tiffany, <laughs> Tiffany would call the police because she I live in a wild neighborhood. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, um, okay. it, 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 there's, there's like reasonable, like I think that they're going to be moving to where you can have like 10 people around each other and, but you know how this goes because you've got I, I think every neighborhood has that one person that's like man i can't wait to report everybody you know i really think that you know what I a bigger just, issue is that's a bigger my pessimism issue, right there a bigger issue are all the attorneys out there that aren't able to work right now that are that are gonna, they're gonna be case. like sharks in a bloody water yeah, looking exactly. for oh. Let's do looking this. for law oh you we should sue for this do you see this. are your neighbors partying <laughs> call 888 no party oh my gosh yeah <laughs> it's it's really interesting that you point out the the mental health portion of that because yeah there's i have a friend who she's she's a therapist i have a couple of friends who are who are therapists and so they've been doing telehealth with their with their clients and this has been extremely difficult for them um, between the, you know, mixed messages that they're receiving across multiple media sources, um, being isolated, there's, and then also having pre, you know, mental health issues. It's, it's a disaster. It's a recipe for disaster. And, and I, I don't think that there's, I mean, yeah, I agree with you on that. That's a very big problem that needs to be addressed. And, it's really unfortunate though, because everything that's happening during this pandemic is only highlighting some of the weakest points in our community and our economies. I mean, there's, you know, you've got like uh, healthcare issues, you've got uh, mental health issues, you have, um, you know, uh, socioeconomic stuff, you know, people not making enough money, being, you know, put into situations which they, should theoretically be able to walk out, but they just don't have the options. So it's it's very difficult, but it's also, I think that this is a, a, a moment of opportunity for us to, to maybe look at 
maybe how we restructure things when we open up. Maybe, you know, to kind of point to the automotive business, like maybe having a storefront where you're making people show up in person all the time. Maybe that's just the old business model. We've got a new model that's going to be robust mm -hmm. enough to survive these types of mishaps because it's going to happen again, right? This isn't the first pandemic. It's, and it's not going to be the last. Did you read Dr. Fauci said he doesn't think there's going to be any sports the rest of the year or something like that? Yeah, I, like with fans attending. Well, yeah. I think he went a step further. I think he def I think he said there shouldn't be any sports other than there shouldn't be any sports with any contact for the rest of the year. And if there is a sport with no contact, that it should have a maximum of four players. <laughs> I'm surprised Trump. I'm surprised Trump hasn't kicked him out. Kicked him out of the White House yet. Well, I think he's thought about it, and it'd be a. It'd get a lot of repercussions. Is working against him. And I'm not even sure. You know, listen, I, I some I like Dr. Fauci sometimes. I'm not sure, but I. He's a disease guy, though. Like that's he's just doing his job. He's always point. going to. He's a scientist. He does yeah. not give two licks about the economy. He's he's just about doing his job, which is to be in disease control. Yeah. So those are the kinds of responses that you should always expect from Dr. Fauci. Right. He's I mean, like, we should, nobody <laughs> should ever go outside again. Yeah, because he's a disease guy. I mean, that's awesome, man. <laughs> they, they should just rebrand him, Doctor Fauci, disease guy. Disease guy. That's but, good. Yeah. That's good. It's um. So Tiffany, going back to the original to the election, okay. original question of the debate. Uh huh. Uh, do you do you still feel that? We, we should be required to wear a face mask in public. I think that it should not be a requirement. I think it should be a choice. Um, and that's how I look at it. I choose to do that because I choose to look after my community and take care of the people that I live around. I'm going to write choice. Choice. I, I like choice. I, that's, I agree. I think it should I think be a it's choice. the narrative of, of how we talk about these things, because I think that it's really easy as Americans to have the near knee jerk reaction when the, you know, the man comes down on us and starts taking our freedoms away. You see what happens. You've seen the protests. Like, and it's just it's silly. But if it's just if we kind of presented it in a way that was like, this is a choice. You can choose to do this. Then it becomes a totally different conversation. It becomes about caring instead of authoritarianism. Now, to wrap up today's program, we're going back to where we started off, back into Wednesday's show with Joe and Stephanie. It's key to note here that this conversation took place two weeks after the one you just heard and three weeks after the one with Bill and Mike and Jay. You already heard arguments about business owners defying local authorities and reopening their business. Uh, Elon Musk and Tesla and Shelley Luther, the salon owner in Dallas. Here is Jay's response. And unfortunately, you cannot see Stephanie's priceless facial reaction to Joe's comments about salon needs being trivial. So if you want to see that, look in the show notes for a link to the video and you can find it there. The government obviously is not the end all be all supreme authority of truth, morality and what what should exist. Unfortunately, that's true. Especially, you know this when you have a police officer in uniform making a video, and he's a police officer, and he doesn't agree. So we know that there's truth to that. I really, I feel passionate about this topic because when it comes to the law, there is always the ability to question what the law is and why it is what it is. And that's, that we have that major problem right now. We see it. And that went, I'll tell you, and you know it. You can feel it. When that judge is talking, there's something wrong with the message. That message doesn't feel truthful. There's something going on. And here's what I want to say. This is the thing, too. On Why is he wearing a mask? Is anybody within six feet of him? Why isn't the core reporter wearing a mask? Amen. I, mean, well, I don't understand. He's working why. From I do not understand this mask thing. People Solidarity. Like, I, I, Solidarity. Okay, thank you. So it's it's to enforce a philosophy, not safety. Yeah, well, here, listen, in regard to him, What's I, don't up know with that? I don't know if, I don't know if there's a bailiff next to him. All I know is just because right, you disagree with the law, so there's a difference the way you said that, is there are laws that 
like are wrong. Well, we don't know if they're wrong or not. I mean, I don't we know how currently many... have some laws that don't make sense. Oh, listen, we did absolutely. in the past and we will in the future. And that know, is a fact. Guess what? You know what happens when you want a law changed? You go to the voting booth and you I, put in a vote I and know. then you push I on understand your the constituents. Process. You push on your elected official to change it. Okay, that but is how laws are changed. Yes, but when the law is changed, isn't that a recognition that it was dumb in the first place? Correct. Absolutely. Okay, l- l- I'm good listen, with that. I'm there's a that. lot. Yeah, there's a lot of wrong laws that took far too long to get corrected. I mean, look how long it took for women to be able to vote. I mean, great, uh, great example. Yeah. So there are so many examples where laws were wrong and were written wrong, but they were still laws. Period. Okay, well, and this is a philosophical difference is that I don't believe so when when the stoplight is red, then you just you just can't go. That's it. There's no yellow. You you got red and green. No, take we need to take out all the yellow lights because there shouldn't be any room for error. Just red to green. This is one thing that I think you're overlooking. It's a salon. There's no place I'm with to go you. anywhere. I don't think it's anyway. that important either. I agree. What? But it's oh. not about what me and you think. It's the fact that it's a dumb law and it doesn't have the transparency that everything else has. The I want to interject. The government interject. has power that at times just doesn't make any sense. And this is a perfect example. Joe, your argument is that it's a salon. It's not essential, right? But her no, argument, no, no, Shelly. Yeah, yeah, well, A, it's not essential. Going back to work might be essential. But what I'm saying is, you should not be able to risk the lives of other people knowingly or the people in your household because you need your hair teased. Period. I'll go to the salon. <laughs> yeah. uh, I need to go but to the, the salon. salon. <laughs> I think the safety of the salon can be more. The problem is here's the thing with Tesla and Elon Musk, and you have all those people. I don't know the level of safety. Tesla's up 2% pre-market, as Elon Musk uh, tweeted yesterday. Tesla is restarting production today against Alameda County rules. I will be on the line with everyone else. If anyone is arrested, I, I ask that. that it only be me. The uh, plant was shut down for five weeks, Jim, and it sounds like you think he has uh, maybe not legal standing, but moral standing to do what he's doing here. Well, look, I, I think that he is a zealot. I think he is correct in thinking that the whole uh, thrust of this country is to put people to work. Uh, Why do we presume that he can't do it in a fashion that's safe? I do not know. I mean, uh, I want this is not Tyson. okay? this is not Smithfield. And why do we think this man necessarily is going to put people at risk? When I look at, at, at my Twitter column, there are two kinds of people. There are people who think that he's the greatest and people who think that he's willing to sacrifice people on the, on the altar of profit. Now, he may not be as, uh, as, say, as concerned about COVID as every person in the world, but there's no indication that he's willing to sacrifice people's lives. Why can't they make a deal? I don't understand this. It's time to open up that factory, and I think he's dead right. So, I mean, first off, I guess uh, he said there's only two types of people, the people that like him, the people that hate him. Uh, let it be known, I'm sort of in the middle because – we can all agree that Elon is an odd duck, okay? I mean, on one side, I do believe that if our planet is still functioning in 1,000 years and society is at all progressive, it will be because of people like Elon, uh, like people like him saved it, and not from government. Uh, With that said, I think he is, yes, there should be some ability to slowly but surely start bringing employees back into the uh, the workplace and the manufacturing plant. With that said, he still has to know that based on mortality rates, based on infection rates, he still is risking the life of his employees so that his factory can reopen. What's the need to reopen it? I don't know. Uh, you know, it's not just about profit. A lot of it's more about government subsidies, in my opinion. It's one thing if you're worth $39 billion, like Elon Musk, and you're a space alien and you can't get sick. It's another thing when you're working on an assembly line, risking your life, hoping your company's manufacturing plant will be there in a year because your, uh, your leader has already said he's moving his headquarters and is now threatening to move the plant itself. So you're like, why should I go and bend over backwards, risk my health, my family's health, all in the need of 
somebody who might just get a bug up his ass and take it away out of the area, and I'm out of a job again. So I can see both sides. I will always lean a little harder on the worker, not to say people don't need to get back to work. Uh, Elon is smart enough, brilliant enough, crazy genius enough to make sure that the majority of people are probably safe doing it. I think there should be a program where we can go in, evaluate how that's going to roll and see if we can get people back to work. But you can't just be like, arrest me. We're doing it. Cause that's not how the law works. That's anarchy. All right, Stephanie, what do you think? Uh, what do I think? I think that we have to get back to work. I mean, whatever way that is, and people have a choice. You can choose to go into work or you can choose to stay out of work. If you, you know, feel as if your health, your family's health is at risk, then don't go to work. I'm sure from Elon's perspective, he's putting precautions and giving hopefully people that choice um, to come into work or not. And if not, then, um, you know, that, shame on him. Um, but we do have to get back to work and everyone has, you know, a tolerance level in what that looks like. And so whether it's, you know, the salons in Dallas or the restaurants in Virginia Beach or the manufacturing plants in California, I mean, everyone as a business owner has to decide for their business, you know, what risk they're willing to take and for their people. And then their people need to understand that they have a choice and it's up to them to make that decision if they want to go back to work or not. I, I, I'm going to agree and, and build on both of those. Um, Joe, do you want to retort at all before I go to Jay? No, no, no. Listen, I, uh, I think it's to each their own. He furloughed uh, the great majority of his people, um, unfortunately. Uh, he gave the VPs and above 30%. Uh, or, sorry, he, uh, he reduced their pay by 30%. They're still getting pay checks, but he reduced the VPs at above 30%, the directors level at above 20%, all other people, he's reduced their pay 10%, and then he left, he laid off, furloughed all the other people. So some people keep getting wealthy. I mean, we can all see, even though he asked his stock to go down, uh, I mean, he said his stock was too high, so it in turn went down. Um, I understand the reason from a stock perspective on why he did that. But I also recognize that it's easy to say things when you still have massive bonus money coming in and you're worth $39 billion and your wife is giving birth to uh, X Ash A12 as your child. God, you um, said that so well. I'm impressed. I've practiced that. That's great. Uh, I have that on my own podcast. X Ash. So, yeah, X Ash. So anyway, uh, I just think it's, uh, he cannot be, just like regular companies cannot be, held accountable on their performance levels during a pandemic, nor can people like Elon be uh, sort of measured against how he handles things like this because some of the top people in our government haven't been doing the best. Yeah, the thing so, about the factory worker who was furloughed that's making yeah. no money and can't pay their bills, I mean, they are, in an essence, him opening up the factory is giving them the option to come back and start, you know, making a living again when they aren't making a yeah, living today. If he can, so, yeah, if he can take a rocket up and somehow get it to land straight up and down, he can figure out how to separate people on an assembly line by six feet. I mean, so that's why I said, so long as there is some level of oversight committee to go in and say, the way this is set up and the way you redesigned or are accommodating this, we think this should be fine. I'm sure it is. All right, let's do this because we want to move. I, I want to go to part B of this same topic. Jay, just quick question to you. Do you consider, do you classify what Elon's move, would you classify that as anarchy? Well, no, I wouldn't. Um, and I think that, because uh, I, I would shift the spotlight back to the government. I mean, that's the thing is that so many of these restrictions have been done, you know, in a way where I think as a, as a collective, we all feel like the government has gone a little bit further than needed. We talk about transparency in business. Where's the transparency in the government? And you know, that's one of the things I like about Andrew Cuomo going on TV. If you're going to put in heavy orders like Whitmer, Governor Whitmer in Michigan, you need to be on TV talking about it. You need to explain to me how the hospital statistics back up these heavy restrictions. Because if we don't understand your restrictions, this is America. This has been America for a long time. It didn't just shut down six weeks ago. You can't indefinitely just suppress all business and people and expect everybody. I mean, I, should we expect that? 
Is that anarchy? I'm pretty sure that's what America is. And by the way, the police officer that made that video in his cop car in uniform about how he thought enforcement had gone too far, you know, I think that maybe he's in hot water with his department. Should he have made that while he was on the job? The point is that he made the video because he believes, like the rest of us, it's not <laughs> anarchy. It's a suppression of freedom. I don't want anybody to get COVID. Okay. I Here's Hold the thing. I believe in safety, but I do not believe the government just walks in with batons and shuts everything down. Yeah. That's not so, correct. Okay, I agree with that. I'm gonna, I agree with that. I, we've heard and, you both. And if we're releasing felons and putting salon owners in jail, that's crazy. Okay, Listen, that brings the up only felon, the only felon we're releasing is Paul Manafort, okay? <laughs> now, just prior to the show that day, a story broke out about the state of Washington launching investigations on car dealers who sold too many cars while on lockdown, while at the same time releasing convicted criminals from jail for reasons that nobody understands. Let's build on this. Washington State is investigating dealers that sold too many cars during lockdown. What? Meanwhile, as oh we all know, gosh. prisoners can get released out of jail if they early if they have COVID. Joe, I'll let I know it wasn't in the queue, but I'm going to let you have that. No, no, no. So uh, let's talk about it. There's no reason that a an organization should be punished for uh, getting doing business. Most- for getting no getting the most out of a situation unless they're doing so in illegal methods so i mean i know the dealer that was the first dealer in the united states who had an employee that had uh covid19 and what did they do they learned of covid19 they sent the kid home and they didn't tell anybody else in the entire organization about it they refused to then a couple other people started getting sick with covid and then they came out and said oh yeah by the way Three people now have COVID, uh, but we still need you to come to work. It's important for us to have you come to work. People started, when it hit Reddit, because people started writing about it, and then the dealership had to shut down for 13 days of cleaning. So I'm not saying that greed, that sheer greed in in my industry didn't override smart decision-making and risking people, unquestionably. And I know that the majority of people that are dying from this are in nursing homes, and by and large, those aren't the people that buy vehicles. But what I'm saying is, is uh, still, even the other side of that, you don't punish an organization who may have uh, done a really good job with at-home deliveries, shipping deliveries, converting everything to online. People were still buying cars during this. We only went down from, what, 16.7 million estimated to we'll end up somewhere between 12 to 14 million estimated vehicles sold in the, in the nation. So, yes, we, we took a hit on car sales, but it didn't stop. Most of, well, all of my clients, short of the ones that literally had to close down, were still selling cars throughout this pandemic. Yeah, So online. what I will say is everything, everybody, the, the hospitals that are counting things as COVID deaths, everything else, this will all come to pass. <laughs> there will be a giant reclamation, and we will be studying things for a long time after this. Uh, but you don't need to punish people right now. This will come to pass. Okay, that's I, I hear you. Stephanie, what's your thoughts on that situation? I agree with Joe. I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, dealers had to do what they had to do to survive. I and mean, I feel like it's the theme of our conversation today. Um, but there are some dealers that, you know, didn't adhere to the law and are getting called out for it. And, you know, I think I saw that it was in Seattle, Washington, one of the first hot spots. And I don't think there was a lot of you know, um, rules put in place at that time. And so now they're going back and kind of just, you know, slapping people's hands for doing things that they needed to do to survive. But uh, and so I'm, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to, I'm going to take some of your time and add to it. Cause I want to say oh, yeah. this is that if, if you are talking about releasing prisoners and in their places, putting in business owners, I mean, seriously, I don't understand how with a straight face, you can say any of that makes any sense at all. It That's crazy. Nope, I agree with that. That's nuts. And the prisoners are smart because the reason the prisoners caught on to that real quick. If you've seen the videos, they're all sharing mugs, doing whatever they can to catch. Oh, exactly. You know, I'm sure you're right. Yeah, and that's, a, that is, that's really funny. You said that. So exactly. They're not dumb. They know besides what were half of them in there for. 
opening salons during <laughs> swine flu. I mean, what is going on? They were in orange jumpers. I think they might have been a little bit more. <laughs> opening salons. Hey, listen, if, if I can, not to, not to create a broader argument, because you are absolutely right, Jay, we should not be letting uh, criminals out of prison. I mean, not less like... That is instance, so stupid. Not, not less like marijuana was legalized in the state and it's a misdemeanor that somebody's been for it. But what I'm saying is it's a damn shame in our entire criminal justice system that, uh, that jails would be so busy anyway, that we can't just keep those people that have COVID there. You know? right. and, and they Quarant- are because quarantine we, them. we have the cancel culture. We investigate everything. We need to fire everybody, get everybody locked up. I mean, what everybody says about the prison system, industrial complex, money-making machine, it seems to be true because yeah. our jails are so packed with They're people. privatized. They're it's privatized. It is the most expensive crazy. hotel that gets federal money to store people, and um, we're putting far too many people away. So. Listen, one of the reasons why I talk the way I do is – we're all headed, we're headed toward this guarantee, we're a guarantee nation. You know, if we can, if we can enforce a law that everybody's locked down and tied up and we can save one human life, we're going to, we're going to tie everybody up and lock them down. And that's the problem is we're in this guarantee mentality. I don't think we're in that nation. We not, are. Not, yeah. Whoa. You, no. you see it around you. You know, there are, there are what I saw, I'm just reading a news story that this, uh, um, city government wanted to like eradicate hundreds of deer because there was this concern about Lyme disease on some of the deer. The, the thing is we're in this guarantee. Deer are nuisances. Deer are nuisances. You know what nobody, My you know what goodness. I've never heard anybody Welcome to say? Guarantee Nation. Man, I'd really like some more deer. <laughs> just prove my here. point. It, dude, they're deer, man. They're okay. They're not, they're, you can get Lyme disease from a tick. Are we going to, I mean, I, I don't mind if we eradicate all the ticks, but anyways, this is devolving, but we do live in this guarantee mentality. And that's what we're seeing right now. Again, we don't need transparency. We're going to lock everything down and we're going to decide and let you know when it's okay. We're not going to tell you what's going on. Jay, I'm we're so glad to see you get fired up. I feel like well, you're coming on, I, I feel like you're coming onto my case, side of things. Listen, right? I talk about car shipping and so then that, that <laughs> is a business. And I can talk about business in a business way. But when we talk about freedom, yeah, I get worked up. This is America. For about 15 minutes, we conversed about the government using cell phone locations to track the spread of, of the virus. But I'm going to skip through that and play you one final hilarious clip where you hear Joe responding to a photo that I had on screen of a large man in a Walmart wearing a white coned hoodie resembling the KKK. See, this type of guy, he must be at a Walmart. No offense, just needs his ass <laughs> Like, if I had coronavirus, I'd, I'd drive to the Walmart and cough in his mouth. Okay? Yeah, it does look like right, a Walmart. He does, yeah, that picture on the left, he just likes, like, he, he, that's the, I'm, a, I'm the most irritating person you've ever met, Stance. Yeah, I, I hate everything about him. And how he doesn't have more Totino's pizzas in that cart, I don't know. It's all veggies. It's a lie. It's, it's actually fake news. I, I doctored that up. I think it is fake news. <laughs> okay, right, guys. Well, let's put, see, he will be in charge of the COVID alert system. on your uh, No, no, no. It, it, he already is. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He created it. <laughs> he is. He's in charge. He He's the reason That's we the need it. There you go, folks. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of the Autoconverse Mobility Tech and Connectivity Podcast. You just got a glimpse of the type of conversations we have each week on the show, which is held again via live stream every Wednesday. And not only features special guest interviews and mastermind discussions, but also now includes the two-minute drill down, where we pair up guests for fast-paced dialogue and debates where participants are limited to two minutes in their response. As you can tell, we have a lot of fun, and if you care to be part of it, then head on over to autoconverse.com. Look for the MTC show and get yourself signed up. It's free to participate. And by doing so, you will end up on this podcast. Again, go to www.autoconverse.com. I'm Ryan Girardi. Oh, and we have some exciting news to share. We are announcing a partnership, or I should say we are partnering up with the Dealer Talk podcast, where I will be helping produce and contribute episodes from our auto retail marketing webcast that we facilitate on Tuesdays. What this means 
is that moving forward, this podcast, Autoconverse, will only feature the Wednesday shows. So be sure to subscribe to the Dealer Talk podcast if you want to continue your experience here for more auto retail focused content. And I hope that I will see you over there. I'll have an episode coming out pretty soon. Until then, keep your mind open, everybody. Keep yourself well informed. I'm doing my part here to give you well thought out and researched information and perspectives from many angles and different people. I appreciate you tuning in and being a listener. Remember to visit us on the web at autoconverse.com. And oh yeah, if you like what we do, please leave us a five-star rating and a review on iTunes or Google Play, whatever your preferred listening app is. And be sure to let a friend or two know about the podcast as well. Cheers, everyone. This is Audiburst Media.